Hi everyone, I'm Kara Scott and welcome to this episode of The Heart of Poker sponsored by 8 at 8 Poker, a podcast that aims to introduce all of us to the players we already know so well, but in a totally new way. Now this isn't going to be a strategy discussion. My interests are more in what makes people tick. I mean, who are they really? To figure this out, I'll be using a modified set of the questions developed by psychologists 25 years ago. They wanted to see if they could shortcut intimacy between total strangers and maybe even get them to fall in love based on discussing 36 progressively more personal questions. I've modified the list for time and relevance, but you know, these are basically those questions. So who are we falling in love with today? Well, you probably already follow her and love her Twitter. I mean, she is the Global Poker Award Twitter personality of the year after all. I've been lucky enough to work with Jamie Gerstetter for years, actually. First, we were ambassadors together for an online poker brand. Then she joined the World Series of Poker broadcast team and she does an amazing job of wrangling Lon McGarren and Norman Chad in the commentary booth, live on ESPN, no doubt. And all of this while also being a professional poker player, a podcaster, broadcaster, and you know all the time that she spends just roasting people on social media <laughs> so Jamie thanks for coming on here I'm curious to see what we're gonna get into here <laughs> oh thanks for having me and yeah that's actually my full-time job is just roasting people and the rest of the stuff I you know do for fun I hope it pays well because you do a really good job at it <laughs> <laughs> may I never be roasted by you not seriously yeah Thank you. Um, so yeah, there's three sets of questions. We'll see how many of them we get through, but they really do start pretty easy. Um, we get a little bit more personal as we go on, but the first one, since this is spring, summer, 2020, and it's a really strange time period that we're living in. I'm going to start by asking you what the last few months have been like for you with the virus out there, the whole thing, where have you been, who are you with, etc. Um, my world shrunk down to my house in Vegas. Um, it's mm. just my boyfriend, Chris, our dog, Crouton, and Chris's cousin, who um, he's been living with us for about three or four years. He used to have a bunch of, like, he had some drug issues and stuff he's been pretty open about um, and has just been living with us, learning how to play poker um, and just hanging out. And it's, he's a godsend because being stuck in a house with just one person, <laughs> I think would have been extremely difficult. Um, and yeah. also uh, Scott Blumstein, former main event champ, um, mm-hmm. he and my boyfriend went it, went in on this house together. So he has been back a little bit. He has left again. He's on a little bit different of a, of the quarantine protocol than we are. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but yeah, the last few months, my world has just gone from feeling very big and full of travel to just very mm-hmm. tiny. And, uh, I've been doing a lot of studying and thinking and, uh, watching crappy TV. Yeah. <laughs> It's, and it's really hard, like you say, to be in a situation, a house situation with people who are on different levels of quarantine or who are kind of taking it in a different way. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. in the same position. I'm staying with my father-in-law at his house, his farm. And thankfully, we're not sharing the entire house. We managed to you know, snatch a little apartment on the farm, but we are still kind of all together. And he, yeah, uh, I'll say he's not taking it quite as seriously as we are. Um, you know, we, I have the, the toddler who has the lung issue. So, you know, we're being super careful and it can just be deeply, deeply aggravating <laughs> to, to, yeah. to, uh, yeah, to not be able to like control everything for her and see other people kind of just being like, la, 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 yeah, we're just going to live our lives. <laughs> I was like, oh, good. I hope that goes well for you. <laughs> yeah. It's weird because, uh, the information, I feel like it's gotten so screwed up coming through the pipeline that people have mm. jumped off this quarantine thing at, at different stops, you know? Like, at first, everyone was on board with, wow, this is really dangerous and scary, and yeah. I think we should take it seriously. And then, depending on what news they're taking in, have just decided to be like, nah, it's fine. It's not mm. as bad as people thought. It's not 3% mortality. It's 1 or whatever. I don't want to go out and hang out with a 1 out of 100 chance or even a 1 out of 500 chance of getting a deadly yeah. disease or getting other people sick. But but also, I mean, we're all kind of flying blind with not great info, so I can't really fault someone for mm-hmm. just believing something else. Yeah, it does make it really difficult to like change your entire life and sacrifice an enormous amount of stuff and not even be sure if it's necessary. But for me, I don't know, I kind of feel like on the off chance that it is necessary since I can do that, it would be, it would be ridiculous of me and really irresponsible if I didn't change my life. So I don't know. I know not everybody's there. And I think 
uh, isolation for four months now is driving me a little bit bonkers. <laughs> so I might sound a little harsher than a, it's, is fair. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Also, I don't speak to people very often. As you can tell, my throat is a little hoarse. <laughs> I just kind of go through the day. <laughs> it's just like my husband and my toddler here all day. So yeah. Huh. yeah. Anyways. <laughs> um, so what do you miss the most about your pre-quarantine life? That's a good question. I, I'm not like this social butterfly. I was realizing this the other day, um, talking to Katie Lindsay, who you you probably know, um, she's married Uh to Chris Foreman. They're two friends that we hang out with more like pretty regularly because she lives 15 minutes away. Um, and I just haven't because we both, uh, we, we just both have been trying to be responsible and talking to her made me realize that my life has not changed quite as much embarrassingly enough as hers. (laughs) She's, She's a social butterfly and makes a lot of plans and has big dinners and all this stuff. Um, Mm. For me, I haven't had that much of a change. It's more like I'm someone who's like somewhat introverted and maybe once Mm -hmm. every couple weeks, I wish I could get together with a bunch of people. So it's like there's that like severe loneliness once in a while. Um, I feel (laughs) way worse for people who miss their every single day friends. Um, Mm. For me, I, I do miss the like random poker tournament. I miss WSOP so much. Because that was like, I would go do my job, but my job also gave me a one hour dinner break with people I really like that I don't get to see very often. Um, And also after you bag chips, going to get that like celebratory drink with your friends who bagged, things like that I miss so much because it's like so specific to the summer and I won't get that this year. Um, But really, I can't feel too sorry for myself based on the fact that I am kind of a homebody to start with. Yeah. Well, last summer was different for you as well because you spent like a ton of time broadcasting as well as playing. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I miss mean, that. I mean, to be honest, yeah. um, I really do miss commentary. I didn't realize how much I liked it until it was taken away. Um, mm. And I don't think – I do have some plans to do a little bit of uh, commentary for some of the online stuff coming up, but it won't mm-hmm. be the same. I think uh, my strengths in the booth are not – being this like serious analyst who takes a hand played and like teaches you something. That's definitely not me. I'm more the social commentary person, you know, who's like <laughs> noticing something funny at the table that people are talking about or um, makes fun of like Frank Casella's hat, you know, like people who can take that, things like that. And I'm like, that goes away when you're just talking about a dry online poker hand. So I yeah. think it's going to be a lot different the, this job this summer. Um, but I do miss that a lot. And I mean, maybe that's one good thing coming out of this is that you get clarity on the things you like want to add back into your life when you have the chance. That's a good way to look at it. I've been trying to, yeah, see what some of the things that I've learned or I don't know, skills that I've kind of taken on in the last mm-hmm. four months that I can keep something that just, you know, makes it feel like it hasn't just been a blur. Cause when I look back on it, four months went super fast, but in yeah. the four months, it was the slowest time that has ever been. So I kind of want to make sure that there's a point to it beyond just like, okay, we're fine, which is great. I mean, I have, mm-hmm. I have friends who lost parents. I, I you know, yep. we have friends who, one of our friends lost three members of his oh family. Like, yeah, it's horrible. It's really horrible. And so I don't want to make light of it by saying I kind of want to come out with something, but it's just this weird, weird, like we're all in purgatory kind of, you know, mm-hmm. like we're floating around just kind of waiting for it to end. I want there to be some point in my life personally for this. And I haven't written a book or anything. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's not the greatest time to write a book, I think. Yeah, um, isn't it funny? Any, someone, yeah. someone talked about it like being in prison and I was like, yeah, I want to be the person who gets out of prison and you know, you're jacked. And you like wrote a book, right. like lifting weights and stuff. I'm like, yeah, my bench press is 200 after this quarantine. Like you want to be that person, not the person who's <laughs> like, well, I just looked at my clock, ticked down the hours until it was over. Yeah. But is so that we be said Danielle Anderson. <laughs> we want to be Danielle Anderson is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably benching ridiculous amounts right She's now. Insane. I, I think it's so funny. Yeah. We were part of like that prop bet versus Lily Coletto. Like I ran a, a race against yeah. her. Danielle did bench press against her. Who is going to challenge Danielle for money in bench no. press? Give me a break. Like that, yeah. I don't know. I think that was one of the funniest things. I actually went to the gym to watch it happen because I was just in disbelief <laughs> that anyone took her up on that. <laughs> was it as funny as you expected it to be? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I good. think Danielle could have benched Lily. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you know, I think you're probably right. 
<laughs> All right. Well, starting with the first of the like proper questions now, um, <laughs> this is a great one to, to do next. What would be a perfect day for you? <laughs> oh, man. Let's think about this. A perfect day, I think being able to sleep in is the first thing. Uh, you know that part. Mm-hmm. As poker players, that was like the first thing you think of when you're thinking about quitting your job is, oh, man, no alarm clock would be just so sweet. So oh, yeah. day, like, sleeping in would be great. Um, probably taking a hike with Crouton, um, because that Mm. makes his day. That would be his perfect day. He needs like one hour of a hike. Um, Mm -hmm. I love playing online poker. Is this too nerdy of an answer? No, I love (laughs) that about you. Yeah. Lately, um, people are complaining about the grind and I think it's fun. And I've been looking like I have a spreadsheet and I noticed that in quarantine, I had played the first 35 days straight. Wow. So I, cause it's short days, you know, like I used to be a lawyer and that job sucked. And I think having that perspective that <laughs> that is what real work is, this doesn't feel like real work. And usually at some point during the day, I'd say, you know what, I was planning to take the day off, but I kind of want to play this nightly, whatever. And then I would just hop in. Um, mm. so I think my perfect day would be winning a poker tournament at night and like having some amazing Thai food for dinner. Ah, oh, that does sound really good. <laughs> Okay, well, the next question is a little bit more open-ended. Um, in three or four minutes, just briefly, can you give us your basic history? So, like, where were you born? Where did you live? Were you a pain in the ass at school? I'm going to guess you were, but you were also really smart, so you were, like, the pain in the ass that the teachers couldn't, like, give trouble to. <laughs> um, I was born in Monroe Township, New Jersey, just a small uh small little burbs in Jersey, but I was like close enough to New York City, Philly and all those places. That wasn't the worst place to grow up. Um, I was kind of a jerk in school, but like I I was a very good student, but I was also Mm -hmm. one of those people that like the one time uh, my parents were both teachers. So I got in deep shit for this. Uh, I got a phone home when I was in third grade and the teacher said, you know, she's pleasant. She's a nice person. Um, However, she completely ignores the lesson and writes stories about Garfields. Uh, and my mom was like, Are you kidding me? Like, I'm, I'm a teacher and I get called by the teacher to tell me my kid's the one not paying attention. And she demanded to know what was going on. And I showed her my notebook completely full of Garfield stories because that was my favorite wow. show as a kid, cartoons. And I would just continue the adventure after I watched it to, to be like, Aww. here's what comes next. So, um yeah. That's really I, creative. <laughs> yeah. And I always liked writing. I'm like, why wasn't that in my brain when I decided to do other things? Cause I do, I mean, <laughs> I love Twitter. I love writing. I like people making people laugh and like telling stories and stuff. So you're um, very funny. Have you always been really funny? Thanks. Like were you class uh, clown? <laughs> I was not really class clown, but there is like a kind of an origin story to this. My, uh, my oh. older brother was five years older than me. My older sister is seven years older than me. And they used to beat me up like for fun. I'm like, you guys are huge. I'm like this midget getting beat up. Um, and so I used to just save up all the things that I wanted to say till we were all on the bus to school together. And then I'd just like devastate them in front of their friends. Um, <laughs> so pretty much that's all I had. I'm like, I'm never going to beat up my, like, you know, my brother's sort of like 50 pounds on me. So I'll just like embarrass them in front of their friends. And that's all I had. Uh, and my dad is a very sarcastic person. So I kind of learned it from him. Um, so I always got satisfaction out of that part. And then now that there's Twitter, I'm like, okay, I've kind of just never grown up. I'm still doing the same thing 25 years later. (laughs) (laughs) That's the dream. Never grow up. (laughs) Yep. Um, So you played a lot of sports too, though, right? You did a lot of soccer? Yep. Um, So yeah, I played soccer since I was four. And that was like the thing that was my thing. Uh, It was Mm. so much my thing that I didn't even care about like boys or anything in high school. I was like, sure, I'll be your disappointing prom date that doesn't even want to make out with you. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, so that's kind of, that's what made me choose Rutgers um, for my college as well. Um, I had academic scholarships and I had a a soccer scholarship to another D1 school, but their team sucked, so I didn't go. (laughs) That's how I chose it. That's what was important to my 17-year-old brain. Um, And I ended up going to Rutgers and walking onto their team which was really crazy because I wouldn't even have the balls to do this now. Um, I had a very small chance of actually getting on that team. So I turned down a scholarship to another school for a uh, one in six chance. They had 30 girls try out um, and only oh. five made the team. And I ended up making the team. And, and if you asked me going to that camp, I was like, yeah, I'm going to make the team. What do you mean? 
And I wasn't wow. like, I don't think it was really that sure of a thing. Um, but to me it was, and I made it and, and we made the sweet 16 in the, um, NCAA championships and it was awesome. Um, huh. yeah. And then I think that's what kind of like got me into poker eventually is that you end up realizing, you know, your sports are over that competitive part of your life is ending. Um, and you have to fill that with something, especially when that, that was such a huge passion of mine that I had to fill it with something and I found poker. And then that was the thing where I'm like, okay, I can still compete at something, even though, Mm. you know, the team sports thing is over. So law was never like a passion for you. It was just something (laughs) that you felt like you should do or. Um, I just loved school. I I was just talking to my friends about this the other day where they were saying college (laughs) was a waste of money and time. And I said, that was the four best years of my life. Uh, very little responsibility. You had to just read your textbooks and, and get good grades. That that was it. Mm-hmm. That was the entirety of your responsibility. You could even make your schedule yourself or you could like sleep late and do whatever. Um, yeah. And your friends, it was basically like a commune. You live with all your friends and it was like live Tinder. I'm like, you're like, oh, I kind of want to date someone. Okay. Like there's people everywhere. <laughs> You'll find someone you like. Um, everything was great. And I just didn't have that feeling like I was ready for the real world at age 21. So um it wasn't law in particular that I was passionate about. It was more avoidance of the real world. And like, I, I got into a good law school and I thought, okay, I'll just study hard here. And it gives me three more years of kind of being a kid. Mm. Yeah. 21 is so young to expect people to like go and be an adult. I don't know. 21 just, it sounds really young to me right now. Yeah. It felt really young to me. I, I think some people like, depending on how they grew up, are ready for the real world. I just was very immature. I, I feel like I just started dating. Um, I just started thinking about real jobs and what I think I'd want to do. I spent a lot of my time, um, that I should have been thinking about those things, just playing sports and, you know, just enjoying being a kid kind of, I, I like extended that. And then when it came to the point where I'm like, Oh shit, I have to, I have to decide what to do with my life. I just hadn't even put any thought into it yet. So yeah. that's why I had 150K in student loans. <laughs> oh, man. That was brutal. That is brutal. Yeah. Like, how do you deal with that? Not being an American, I always just am shocked when people tell me about their student loans or their, you know, health issue loans mm-hmm. as well. Just blow my mind. Yeah, I think... Um, I think it's kind of, it's extra brutal because you're making these decisions before you even realize the value of money or how hard you have to work to spend the money. So you're just a kid being like, I I want more school instead of, if I I had a full scholarship to Rutgers, I'm like, if I had just graduated Rutgers and found poker, um, it would have been much lower stakes for me at the time because I didn't have Mm. to make money right away. At that point, I would have been like, whatever, if poker doesn't work out, I go waitress for a little while. Um, I wouldn't need to make so much money. Uh, and yeah, I think that's unfortunate and that in high school kids should be being taught about like the different paths they can take in their life to be successful. And that path is not always going to college, going to law school, med school, all these other things and incurring, incurring huge debt. Like maybe you want to be an auto mechanic. Maybe you should go to yeah, a, a, sure. a vocation because that would make you happier. Um, that's not really on the table and you're 16 or 17. You're not being taught that you're being fed mm-hmm. these different rules for life and how to be successful. Yeah, it just seems like so much pressure when you're that young to be making decisions that affect the rest of your life. And I say that as someone who got married out of high school. So yeah. like, <laughs> probably not the best thing to do. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. I want to interview you. Anytime I'm like being interviewed, I have to just like <laughs> I have to just remember like, okay, chill and stop asking questions. Not your <laughs> questions. Yeah. Interview you about that. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna go into another super lighthearted question here. Um <laughs> do you have a secret hunch about how you'll die oh wow what i know right <laughs> not my question wow, that's kind of crazy um i'm trying to think of like the stupidest things i do <laughs> uh i don't i really don't know this is like funny because it's a fact of life that this is going to eventually happen but this is something i've never thought about about what what i'll probably end up doing to kick the bucket uh hopefully some crazy cocktail of drugs when i'm like 70 years old where i'm just like that I'll is the go way to go burning man and just go nuts yes <laughs> that would be sweet. i think that's totally the way to go honestly yeah. <laughs> yep <laughs> okay well i'm there with you i think that's that's my uh, my retirement plan so um <laughs> okay um if you could change anything about the way that you were raised what would it be i think that i 
I really needed more freedom growing up. It's it's kind mm. of odd. My parents were um, so strict in such weird ways. Uh, I had so there's a busy street in front of my house, um, and they did not let me cross the street. I was like 15. This is not a joke. Wow. That's how little. Um, that's like how little rope I was given basically to just experience things on my own. Um, but it actually led to a lot of strange things. Like I found running and that became the thing that like, I felt like that was like ultimate freedom because I didn't have a lot of freedom growing up. So that was the thing where I'm like, well, I'm on the track team. I have to go on these 10 mile runs. So you're just not going to know where I am for like two hours. I'm just going to be gone. Um, and so that became really awesome for me to just be like, I have an excuse to just be independent for a little while and not be checked Mm -hmm. on and everything. Um, and I had great, my parents were great. That was just one weird thing. Like every, every parent has something weird, right? You're going to mess up your kid. That was the way that I feel like they, (laughs) where they just like had me on such a short leash. Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, that's one thing I would, I would definitely change because I think overall, um, I didn't really want to do bad stuff. Like as a kid, I was pretty, reasonable I was kind of lame so they should have just let me (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's funny because I think we'll always find a way to rebel against our parents no matter what like Mm -hmm. my parents were um they kind of they really knew that I had a good head on my shoulders and they were really pretty free about you know what I could do and where I could go and um, I didn't have a, an enormous amount of boundaries, except for one time when I dated a guy they didn't like, and then I had a curfew. But otherwise, <laughs> I didn't have yeah, I didn't have a ton of boundaries, and every and like they were very free thinking. They are very free thinking. There was a lot of books and a lot of creativity and a lot of really alternative ideas and um, kind of ways of life. And in terms of like not religion but like spirituality, it was all kind of in our house. And so my way of rebelling. I started going to the church. I became very religious. I got married at 18 and I was going to go into missionary work. No way. (laughs) Yes, I was. Yes, I was. So my life, I finally kind of got my head on straight, thankfully. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, we all have to rebel in our, you know, then there has to be something to rebel against. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah. (laughs) They they let me do too much. I had to, yeah, I had to find some structure. I don't know. Um, Okay. So the last question in the first set, if you could wake up tomorrow, having gained any one quality or ability, what would it be? Well, I think, um, like I can have a superpower pretty much. Yeah, basically. um, Oh God, I'm going to sound like such a hippie, but I don't care. Total empathy. If you could just understand at any point um, where someone is coming from, I feel like right now that would be just like the ultimate superpower because you'd understand like there's so much stuff going on in the U S right now. Like Mm -hmm. that is horrifying. And I want to know how these people got this way. And I feel like that's the only way that you can change people's minds is to like actually understand where they're coming from and figure out like what happened to them in their childhood to make them feel a certain way about a different race or whatever. And I feel like if you could understand all that stuff, you could change everything in the world. Um, so I feel like hmm. it's not as cool as flying, <laughs> but I think that it would be really helpful. It'd be a lot more useful probably. Yep. I think that's incredibly optimistic of you. Like, in a, not in a condescending way, I think in a really beautiful way. I think that's a very optimistic idea that being able to understand people would actually help solve problems. Because we don't do it. On Twitter, it's not my thing. Like, there's so many times when I'm writing something snarky, it's just a knee-jerk reaction to being, like, horrified at what someone said. And I'm like, ooh, I have to joke for this, and I'm just going to say it, and I'm going to embarrass this person. But that is not coming from a place of empathy. That's, like, trying to dunk on someone because I'm just like, screw Mm. this person. Um, But I feel like I'm very – I'm proud of myself the few times that I'll, like, write out a tweet and delete it because I'm just like, this isn't helpful. You know, it doesn't happen often. I feel like more times than not, I'm posting it and just being like, whoops. (laughs) But the times I've actually slowed down and been like, okay, the person probably has this viewpoint for a reason. I feel like that makes me feel like proud of myself for being a grown up. And I wish that I could do that more often. Hmm. I can see that. Okay. Second set of questions. Um, This one says, if a crystal ball could tell you the truth about absolutely anything about your life or your future or something that's already happened, what would you want to know? Is there anything out there that you've just been kind of dying to know? Family secrets Mm. or I don't know what people do. I don't know anything. 
What would I want to know? This one's like so open-ended. Like personal things, I don't really want to know. Like I don't want to know how I'm going to die, when I'm going to die, that kind of stuff. Like no thanks. No, That's fine. definitely not. Uh, man. Uh, that's a good one. Well, right now, this one's kind of, uh, you know, it's so small and personal, but um, if I'm going to have a kid, that would be so mm. important to know. I'm even talking about, like, adopting or something, because me and you have talked about this a lot, and we sure. have, like, similar feelings, I think, about a lot of this. I am so on the fence. Like, I can't even yeah. describe. It is so 50-50 in my life, if I think <laughs> it would be a good choice or not in my life, that I yeah. can't decide, and so I think time passing is just going to decide for me. Um, uh-huh. and I have a boyfriend who we've been together for like a hundred years and he <laughs> is, he would want a kid. So like, that's, yeah. that's where if he wouldn't, I would be so perfectly fine being the couple, like my friend Jules mm-hmm. and Darren, they, they have, you know, Jules Cornelius. Yeah. They amazing have a couple. Life. They have a beautiful life and they're both on the same page and they, they want to travel and live their lives and have adventures. And they're so mm-hmm. happy that way. And I don't think that she even has like one minute of doubt that she's yeah. doing the right thing. Um, I don't have it exactly like that. So I would like to know if it would be like, if I'm going to have a kid, if it would make me happy, if it would make my boyfriend's life better, or if this Mm -hmm. is something where I'd, I'd pull the trigger and then be like, Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) So it doesn't affect that much. It's just my own little personal life, my family's little personal life. Um, but that would be really cool to know. Mm. You know what? It would actually be both. It would be like, um, initially, you'd be like, "Oh no, what <laughs> my life," and then it would improve things. So, yeah, um, it is. I'll just say, and obviously, one person's experience isn't everyone's experience. But I read a lot of books about this too. And the first two years after you have your first child are the lowest satisfaction that couples will ever rate in their oh, relationship. Wow. So it's tough. Yeah, it is like, and I'm not saying that that's true for us, obviously. I'm, but it is hard. It's like. It's really difficult. Because Ours just turned sweet, two, so right? I'm like, yay! If nothing <laughs> That's else, over. If nothing else, like, not even the extra responsibilities and just, like, being like, man, it'd be nice to take a shower. That would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> Things like that. I'd like to sleep in. I haven't slept in yeah. in two years. Yeah. I feel like just the lack of sleep alone is enough to yeah. start fights in relationships. Um, oh, for sure. Enough for, like, one person to become super lazy for a week if you don't sleep, and then the other person's like, you're not pulling your Ugh. weight. I could see fights, like, constant fights while, while it's at its hardest. Yeah, for sure, because everyone's so sleep-deprived. Yeah. And there's so much to do, like – the, the amount of actual stuff you have to do every single day mm-hmm. all the time is huge. And so yeah. no matter how you're kind of splitting that, everybody feels like they're doing too much. So it's it's kind of a recipe for disaster, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it turns out well. So I'm certainly glad I did it. Yeah. Uh, now, now, now I'm glad yeah. I did it. <laughs> I think that's yeah. like the healthiest viewpoint, right? Is to just, I don't know, I think it's good talking to people like you and Jen Shahadi because I feel like... I connect with you guys and the way you think about things and I believe you, you know, like mm. there are definitely people who have kids who just want you to join the kid cult, like have the kid, yeah. have the kid. It'll, it's, it's amazing. Kid. You don't even know what love is until you have a kid. And I'm just like, that's really wow. condescending. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. Seriously. You're not a, a full and real person uh, only when you have a child. I think yeah. that's kind of a, yeah, that's a really <laughs> bullshit sort of point of view, personally, I think. But, you know. But those are the people that, like, when I talk to them, I'm just like, okay, I discount everything they say because I'm just like, that's ridiculous. Seriously. Because then what if I'm like, there are people who can't afford to have a kid and there are people who physically yeah. can't have a kid. So they just yeah. get taken out of the – you don't know what love is because you can't do no. things. Like, that's crappy. <laughs> get a dog, man. Tell them just to get a dog. I'm saying, I'm like, I'm so psychotic with Crouton that I... You love that dog so much. It's amazing. Like it's beautiful. Best. Yeah. And I, I know that's like kind of, I, I'm not like not a nurturing person. Like I think about him and his happiness way more than it's healthy for me. But uh, <laughs> I think that's part of like, that's where I am getting that part of myself out where I'm like, if I didn't have a dog or I never had pets or something, maybe I'd be more likely to, to have a kid. I'd feel like something's missing. I don't feel like yeah. something's missing that much. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. So, uh, next question, what does friendship mean to you? Do your closest friends tend to be the people that you've known for a really long time? Do you have like a lot of friends outside of poker or is it mainly poker people? Um, what does it mean to you? Friendship? 
Yeah, so I don't have a ton of old friends. I have one really fantastic old friend um, from law school who like got me out of the dumps when my dad passed away. He somehow, he didn't even know me very well. He just somehow could sense that I was a completely different person after spring break, my first year of law school, um, enough to ask what happened. And then enough after finding that out to let me like have a week or two. And then just, he showed up at the library and just packed up all my books and was like, we're going to play board games and just like took my book bag. I was like, uh, what? So this is someone who like from the very first like minute in my life was just this completely positive, like empathetic, understanding person. Um, So I have that one. I do feel like I'm missing that. um, Every every time I see someone who has like friends from when they're five years old or something, Mm -hmm. I have that pang of like, I wish I had that. But it just didn't really happen for me. Like I had a big falling out with like my oldest friend. um, That that kind of sucked. Like we tried to like re kindle our friendship um yeah a few years ago and it just wasn't the same so I have a lot of new friends and that mm-hmm. is I don't know I don't feel very like grounded do you feel like that I think like the older your friends are the more you feel like you're like I'm me I'm comfortable with who I am like these people I haven't changed that much these people have liked me since I was five I don't really have yeah. that and I feel like I'm missing that but but to me friendship just means um mutual respect is like the biggest thing um honesty and just you know, trying to improve each other's lives, give good advice and just like be there for each other for like the, yeah, you know, the big stuff in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And I'm kind of there with you too. I mean, I've, I moved country so many times mm-hmm. as well that I've, I kind of keep starting over in a way. And yeah, so I, I know what you mean. It does feel a little bit rootless and a little less grounded. And it's certainly something that I think yeah, damn. I kind of wish I had that, but yeah, I feel like a sociopath sometimes when I'm able to just put down something that (laughs) used to be so important in my life, move to another place and just have that like neatly in its compartment. I'm like, okay, when I go home, I'll hang out with these people. But when I'm not home, I don't really think about it too much. And I have like my new friends out here. I can do that like a little too easily for my Mm. own life. (laughs) Maybe that's why we get along so well. Don't you value that though? I like friends where, um, they're low maintenance. Like, you know, you care about them. And if they had, like, if you had a yeah. major meltdown and you like had to talk to me at 4am by all means, like I, w- mm-hmm. I would totally be fine with that. Um, but also if we didn't talk to each other for three months and then WSP came and you're like, let's hang out. I'd be like, sure. I wouldn't be like, yeah, no, Kara, you did not fulfill the friendship of like call of once a month talking to me. And I just, I don't get along well with the people that have huge time commitments as part of their like friendship <laughs> qualities. Same. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, f- I find that I need a lot of time to myself. <laughs> so yeah. like, like really heavy time commitment for friendship. It's just, it just, yeah. I mean, I have a toddler now too. Yeah. She deserves, <laughs> she demands my time all the time. And I'm like, damn girl. Yeah. Like, How hard I need a little space. Not, like she can't have play dates right now. Is that awful for you? Yeah. Like, are you worrying about that? Cause that, like, is that very important for them to socialize with kids their own age at this age? Or is it not she's a little young so okay. thankfully yeah but she's actually I, I mean uh, most parents will say this but it's true she's a little bit advanced she's kind of hitting all the milestones super early she's also mm-hmm. the size of a three-year-old like she's <laughs> physically very advanced too she's huge she's a giant yep. but she's also mentally and emotionally pretty advanced so she wants to be with people like she talks about going to school and she Aww. doesn't even know what that means and she really does and you know we're having to isolate again now for, away from yep. my in-laws because there have a different approach to this and we're mm-hmm. a little we're just waiting to see if a second wave happens you know so we're just gonna hang back a little bit and she feels that she feels that emotionally and she's struggling with it and That's it's fair. so hard to watch her little heartbreaking when she's like I want to I want to cuddle people she doesn't know what quarantine means she thinks quarantine means you go stand by yourself by a tree she, she runs up to trees and she stands there and she goes quarantine <laughs> <laughs> so cute <laughs> It's actually so cute and so damaging. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if like her being advanced is like partly a result of just getting constant attention from you guys. Think yeah. of like, you would be going to do other stuff um, mm-hmm. and leaving her with a, a caregiver sometimes, right? If if not for this whole thing, and now she's getting one hundred percent of your attention a lot. Yeah, yeah, because. I mean, for the first year of her life, she had nobody but us. Mm -hmm. Um, We didn't, we were living in Slovenia, so we didn't even have like, we didn't have help or anything. It was really difficult, but it was good for her. And I think that actually did probably make a big difference. Um, Not to say that everyone should do that because it's impossible for most people to do that. I was Mm -hmm. just really lucky. I was able to stay home and do that. But 
it kind of broke my brain in some ways too. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, all day, every day is intense, but yeah, um, she's doing okay. She just, she needs to see more people. She really is missing people and it's starting to get her anxious. And then she's just kind of a, you know, she's a little difficult. So yeah. Yeah. I, I, for me, this, not I, for her. I, I do this all the time and please don't be offended, but crouton is as close to being able to understand the kid thing as I have. I, I've noticed this. I'm like, oh man, I've probably offended so many moms being like, well, my dog is just like that. But anyway, oh so there's that qualifier. And then I'll just say, he used to, we, our house is like the fun place. Like we have a big house and it was like a grind house. People come over on Sunday and play online. Um, and people would just always stop by. Like, like our old housemates from New Jersey would be out here for, Bellagio five diamond or something. They'd come stay with us. And Crouton gets so happy with people. Like he would love this house to be full of 20 people at all times. Um, and he's just such a social dog that he has been like seeming depressed. Like he has us home all the time, which should be good for him, but he'll be excited. Like the mailman will come drop a box off. And he's like, yeah, like he's like, his tail's wagging. And then he's, we don't open the door. And he's like, yo, Aww. what the hell? <laughs> It is so tough. It's tough when you have some someone or something in your life you care about a lot and you can't communicate with them. Yeah, I, I'm finding that tough because she yeah. is like a super amazing kid and I'm really glad to spend all this time with her. Like, honestly, not just saying mm-hmm. that, but it is tough because she's at an age where, yeah, rational discussion is not really. Yeah. I mean, it, we do it, but it's just not that fruitful. So yeah. <laughs> we're working on it. Yep. And in that vein, funnily enough, the final question of the second section of uh, questions, how do you feel about the relationship with your mother? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a good relationship, but she also, she had me when she was a little older. So I never had that like friend relationship with her until mm-hmm. recently. So I had the very much like parent child thing where you don't share stuff with your mom that could get you in trouble and all that, you know, growing up yeah. um, very much the normal relationship, I guess. I had friends who, when we're growing up, they're like, their moms would be like, yeah, have a drink with us. And I'm like, who are you alien person? <laughs> like, this is the kind of thing I get grounded for in my house. But, um, but no, we have a, a good relationship. And then just recently, I'd say over the last five or six years, um, it's become like more open where I, I like tell her things that are bothering me and like things about, you know, I've talked about relationships and stuff like that. Whereas growing up, there was none of that. Um, mm-hmm. and actually she was one of the last people I've seen. <laughs> she came out yeah. to visit me, um, like the week before everything just started shutting down. She had a trip planned already. Um, and she came out and we just like, we went out and got a little bit drunk. We played blackjack. She came to the poker awards and, uh, and she said, last time I talked to her on the phone a few days ago, she was just saying that she's so happy she took that trip because life got so boring, like right after that. So she's like, at least I have these awesome memories of, of one last Vegas trip before everything got so weird. Oh, that's nice. All right. Final set of questions. These ones are a little bit more personal. Mm -hmm. Um, the first one is complete this sentence. I wish I knew someone with whom I could share blank. And it could be absolutely anything. It could even be board games, which is kind of one of mine. So I wish I I knew someone with whom I could share what? Hmm. Is there a hole in your life? I guess that's a good sign that I don't have a snap answer to that. Be like, yeah, yes, really I'm is. dying to share this thing and there's no human who exists. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like... Uh, there's nothing that's coming to mind that's this like huge gaping need in my life, so that's kind of good. I could use a that therapist just in general, because <laughs> <laughs> I kind of I guess that would be my answer is that I think everyone should do some therapy at some point in their life, and I haven't really gotten yeah. around to it. Um, and yeah, I guess I I want someone who um, who I know is basically paid to be objective and listen, mm-hmm. and but don't have to feel guilty after I like pile all of my problems onto them because mm-hmm. it's think really that's nice to be able to pay someone for that yeah I have very good friends but I also have the type of personality where once I've taken someone's time like so much time if I have a huge problem and I like dump it on you and you help me through the whole entire problem I would be like thank you so much Kara and then I'd hang up the phone and be like oh my god I just dumped all my problems on Kara like ugh, like she's so busy yeah. I'm like, the therapist would be great because I could just do that and be like well that's why you got 500 bucks you to listen to me whine for an hour. <laughs> 
500 bucks. I have no idea. How much do people cost? Who knows? (laughs) Um, (laughs) A thousand. I don't know. Yeah. Actually, I don't know what America probably is. I have no idea. Um, That's a good answer though. And I agree with you. I think therapy is a really good thing for people, especially our reason uh, like our age I'll say our age Mm -hmm. I'm a little older whatever barely um (laughs) barely yeah um okay next one have you ever been truly terrified yeah this is kind of funny because you're gonna think that I should have been like naturally selected out of the population when I tell you this answer (laughs) but uh I got attacked by a dog when I was really little um and I was afraid for my life and I had to get a bunch of stitches and stuff um but thankfully the dog like went for my neck and I put my arm up and it bit under my arm and I punched in the face. I was a little kid. I was like eight or nine. I punched in the face wow. and it got scared enough to run away. So, uh, I had to go to the hospital and like, I was in like complete shock. Like, I don't remember any pain. I just remember being scared that I was going to die. Like, I don't remember feeling what wow. a bite felt like. So it's kind of crazy. Um, but yeah. And then it's just ridiculous because I was probably the most scared I've ever been. And, uh, and then now like dogs are my whole entire life. <laughs> oh yeah, they really are. Wow. Yeah. It's weird. Were you was... scared of them after for a little while? No, like... it's just weird with like, with wow. little kids. I, I honestly feel like that is one of the coolest parts of like the human brain, right? That little kids can bounce back from anything that happens to them. Mm-hmm. They're just like, Oh, well that one dog was a jerk. Let's meet this new dog. <laughs> He won't bite me. <laughs> It'll be fine. Yeah. Oh, wow. That was probably, the, and then okay. in adulthood, uh, also relating to dogs, obviously, um, Crouton was just a little puppy and we, it was the first time we ever left him for even a minute. Uh, we walked to CVS and we come back and it was maybe 15 minutes later and he had eaten an entire loaf of raisin bread. I don't know if oh. you know, but raisins are like toxic to their kidneys. Um, so we saw the bag of raisin bread. He just left the bag like triumphantly in his bed, like conquered that loaf. And I'm like, Oh my God. So we rush him to the hospital to an emergency vet and they pumped his stomach and stuff. But that was probably like the most scared I've ever been just because I felt like that, that encompassed so many horrible negative feelings of just being, feeling irresponsible, feeling like I screwed up, that I like put something that I like adopted to take care of in danger and all this, like everything horrible. And then obviously just like the fear of losing like your little best friend is like terrible. So yeah. So um, of course after that, now he's the most spoiled dog ever. Cause I'm like, I will never leave your side. (laughs) Don't even go to the store, dude. Don't worry. (laughs) And he's just saying, please bring more people over. I'm getting tired of you guys. Oh my God. Yep. Uh, okay. Well, when did you last cry in front of someone or by yourself? Um, God, this is like just too embarrassing. I cry about a lot of things. So like, I'm a tough guy, but when it comes to like internet videos of things, like it's usually about, it's usually like the happy crying when people are being nice to each other. Um, especially lately because there's so much crappiness in the news Mm -hmm. that like, I'm going to cry at the videos where like, there's like a, there was a one recently where I'm like, this is pathetic that I'm just like sobbing at my phone, but there is a little black kid and a little white kid running at each other, hugging. And like, yeah. if we hadn't seen each other in a while, I'm just like, this is so cute. And this is like how it's supposed to be. And the reason it's not is because people get stupid as they get older. Um, and mm. they decide to hate people for no reason. So I don't know. I feel like it's too easy to make me cry. So I, it's not even like an interesting thing for me to go back and be like, what's the last thing I cried about? I'm like, let's <laughs> write a list. Yeah. Yeah. Especially these days. I don't know. If we're all stuck in our houses. It's too easy to cry at this point. Yeah. It's like everything is so intense. Give yeah. me some emotion straight it into feels my good. Like that's the oof. thing. If you just are watching the news and it's all horrifying and everything, and then it actually kind of feels good. To have, like, the little, like, embarrassing cry over a, a Twitter video mm. or something. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, since you enjoy the humor so much, this is a good one for you. This question is, what, if anything, is too serious to be joked about? <sighs> too serious? There's almost nothing. Like, there's really not. I, it, you know, I'll bring up one thing. The people who do horrible things and then somehow work it into their little comedy routines that's something that's too serious to be yeah. about. Like Louis C.K. was um, one of my favorite comedians 
And he would joke about masturbating in front of girls and like making them watch and stuff. And it was like, the jokes were always a little weird. Like they're always kind of weird. And I was like, uh, okay, sure. I guess that's a joke. And then when it turns out to be true, I'm like, what kind of psychopath was trying to generate laughter out of like abusing people? Um, and then just yesterday, Chris D'Elia, um, who I always thought was not funny anyway. So that's kind of cool. I was like, it sucks when people get canceled and you love them, but when you kind of think they suck and they go away, you're like, eh, Uh, he he would always joke about girls and he would never joke about women like it was never like ah, I went on a date with this Uh. woman it was always about girls it was always a little weird um and one of his jokes was about how like it was on a podcast wasn't even a joke he's like how can you even tell um when girls are 16 anymore I feel like they go straight from (gasps) 8 to 25 he's like you can't even tell like girls are look so old these and um, I remember listening to that and being like that's gross uh but okay and then it comes out that he hits on like 16 and 17 year old girls on the regular (sighs) and is like kind of predatory I think you can joke about anything pretty much anything as long as it's really a joke but I think that's where I draw the line it's like when you're actually talking about things in your real life and trying to turn them into something funny when really you're just like an abuser and a creep that's probably something I wouldn't joke about (laughs) yeah seriously and you're telling on yourself I mean yep (laughs) so I guess we just didn't realize it but yeah you're totally telling on yourself ugh yeah. Right? Look, I don't know. A little girl that I mean, you have to just have your mind go to that and just be like, ew. Like, I really hope that, yeah. like, my kid never encounters some weirdo like this who's, like, famous yeah. and uses their fame to be a predator. Seriously. I mean, there's just so many weirdos in the world, let's be mm-hmm. honest. So, so many. Yep. They don't have to be famous. They're just weird. So, yeah, having a, having a kid does make it a little bit ugh, even more so. Yeah. What, so you, ha- you do a little more of like obscuring her face and stuff like that. Um, is uh-huh. that so that she has a choice? Like when she's old enough to choose if she wants to be on social media and stuff, you're not like inflicting it on her. It's just like, if she wants to be involved. Yeah. So, yeah. So my husband and I talked about it before she was born and he felt really, really strongly about this. And I agreed that he was right, even though I wanted to show pictures of my kid because she's super cute. Mm -hmm. Um, But he thought that it would be, it was really just not right to show her face on social media. So we have almost never, uh, I mean, on my Instagram, I put her in my stories for close friends Mm -hmm. and that's it. So it's just kind of family and friends and that's, that's it. That's the only people who can really see pictures of her. And I, I said something about it on Twitter like weeks ago and some, I don't remember who it was, um, some poker player, I think, said started going off on me about how I thought I was whatever hot shit and just oh yeah who does she think she is not showing her and I was just like what what is even wrong with you like people make such assumptions they're so weird like it why wouldn't he ask you first like hey is there a reason out of curiosity yeah and then what if you were like well I'm just so famous that my kid is in in the tabloids and I don't want that then then he could say yo get over yourself but to yeah. just assume the very worst thing about it's you ridiculous. is ridiculous. I know. And I think I think people thought it was, like, rude to the parents who do put their kids out there. Oh, uh, I could see I that. I follow okay. all of that's them. Crazy yeah, but that's the thing. <laughs> I follow all of these people because their kids are adorable, yep. and I love seeing their pictures. And I have, like, no judgment whatsoever. It's just something that my husband felt really strongly about. Mm-hmm. And so I'm – and now I agree that I think this is – you know, when she's old enough, she'll be able to decide what kind of – like exposure to social media that she wants. And that's great. But you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Whatever. It doesn't Um, matter. But social media is like, I I feel like I'm immune. And then one day I just get super pissed at someone. I'm like, and it's so funny. So I'm just like, wait, I thought I was over that part where you like respond to dummies. But no, it just comes back sometimes, like depending on the mood or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm getting there myself. I just have to like turn it off at the moment because I just have a really short fuse, so I'm just muting everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mute, 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 and then I probably don't see half of what happens. That's not um, too bad. <laughs> yeah, it's really not. Okay, final question. This one is your house with everything that you own catches fire. After saving your loved ones and your pet, <laughs> you have time to make one final dash to save any one item. What would it be? Um, I think it would, yeah, it wouldn't be something like a laptop or something. Cause I feel like whatever, I would lose some spreadsheets and I don't really care. And I've saved like the important stuff. Um, my boyfriend helped out this artist who is having a really, really hard time. Um, and as a thank you, cause he stayed at our house for a long time. Uh, he painted 
crouton in our in our backyard. Crouton's like sitting on this Aww. this chair that makes it look like a throne, and he always looks like very regal, like he's very proud to have his own spot out there. Um, he painted this for us and it took him like no time at all because he's like super talented and he signed it and I would get that because it's so funny to me that this guy <laughs> who is like very like, his dad's extremely famous and he's pretty famous and all his art goes for like 20 and 30k he just painted <laughs> my dog with like a finger painting thing real fast and I just like, look at it all the time and think like how weird our lives are that I have this in my house mm. that this artist guy was staying at our house and that, like, this came to be, like, it, all the different yeah. things that had to happen for this to be made is just so hilarious to me. I think I would save that just because that is one of my favorite things. Yeah, it is pretty incredible. We get to do some amazing things and meet some, like, ridiculous people mm -hmm. because of our lives. And I don't know, every once in a while, I just kind of, I hear a story like that even, and I just have to stop and, yeah, be pretty grateful for you know, the last, whatever, 15 years of my life, 20 years of my life in poker and, and what it's been like. So yeah. Cause if yeah. we, did you used to read the choose your adventure books? Yes, I did. I always used to cheat and like, look what was going to be next if I chose a certain <laughs> thing. Um, and I kind of think it's funny. You obviously cannot do that in real life, but looking at like my choose your adventure, I'm probably in one of the weirdest lives I could have taken mm -hmm. <laughs> from going yeah. from college on. I'm like, I was set to have a very, very normal life. Um, where I would have, you know, I would have been like the, one of the first people in my family to make a bunch of money. Like our family just didn't ever go for the fancy jobs. So I was going to do that. I was probably a partner at a law firm, really boring, doing trust and estate planning. Uh, I could, I was going to have the most boring chooser adventure and then I just like abandoned ship and now I have the weirdest life possible. So <laughs> I don't know what went wrong or right, but like, it is funny to just think about that. Like when you're in this spot, just be like, what the hell? Mm. <laughs> Yeah, I am so glad that you chose the adventure that you did because <laughs> A, I got to meet you and B, your life just sounds fantastic sometimes. It really does. It's it's fun to watch you on Twitter and to listen to your commentary and, you know, obviously just to I be like friends, that but. though because that's like the most accurate description. Your life sounds fantastic <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> 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 well, it can't sound at all the time. That's all so, we can yeah. It wouldn't be right? true. You know, just yeah. have fantastic, amazing, sometimes memories. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. better than nothing. <laughs> We're all going to hope for the sometimes that are coming up, hopefully in the next few months. But mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Anyways, thank you so much uh, for coming on and talking with me. I really hope at some point in the not too distant future, we actually get to hang out again in person Yeah. and then actually maybe work on a live poker broadcast again. I mean, <laughs> I guess we can only hope. That'd be fun. You were like my lifeline. Yeah. You're just like, you'll be fine. I'm like, I can't, I'm so nervous. I can't read a teleprompter. So yeah, oh. you helped, you helped a lot. I feel like you've done that for a lot of women in poker, given a little oh, boost. And I appreciate that a lot. Well, I appreciate you saying so, obviously, because you're my friend. I would have done it anyways, but yeah, it's nice to hear. Thank you. Um, and thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed getting to know Jamie from a totally different angle. And thank you all for being here. I will see you next time on The Heart of Poker. Bye.